Welcome to Coffee with Kim. I'm Kim Kelp, and every week you and I sit down with fascinating, smart, and talented leaders, CEOs, and founders so that we can copy their homework. If someone knows how to do something really well, I want to know what it is and exactly how they're doing it. Get ready for aha moments, gems of wisdom, and little known tips and tricks that we can steal and use in our own lives. If you want to join these conversations and ask these experts your own questions, no point in just me having all the fun. Join us on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern live over on LinkedIn. Happy Wednesday. So good to see you, friends. Big hi to Elizabeth and Jeff and Anya and Giacomo and Abe and Kelly. And we just have such a great group. If you haven't already, drop a hello in the chat. Let us know where you're coming in from. Maybe what's in your cup. I wanted to start off by saying, I think, I don't know this for a fact, but I think I might have the cutest teacup there ever was because I have a sloth. You put the tea in his, can we say butt in his bum? in his bum. You put the tea in his bum uh, and then you soak and he's chilling. I mean, I'm sorry. This is the cutest tea that I've ever seen in my life. Um, I can give anybody the link who wants it. My mom gave it to me in my stocking. I think like two or three Christmases ago as a gift, as a joke, but it's, it's not actually a funny joke because I use it all the time. So jokes on jokes on her and everybody else who thought it was funny. Um, hey, Wendy, how is it in Canada today? I bet it's pretty chilly. And Danny and Chip, it's good to see you guys. And Isabel, I'm really excited. And I thought if you're new here, okay, if you're new here, normally we come on here every single Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. We meet interesting founders, executives, leaders. We pick their brain because they are leaders in their field. We copy all of their homework because I realized a very powerful saying, and I want to share it with you, and I'm going to put it on all my social media channels because I really quite enjoy this. In your 20s, I feel like it's all about figuring out how to do something. Like You are the CEO of figuring it out. You are the CEO of get it done. I don't know how, research, watch a YouTube video, get it done. You're the CEO of like, I'm figuring this out. And then in your 30s and onward, I feel like once your career really starts to, you know, you've moved past the assistant coordinator phase and you've like gone up the corporate ladder. If you work in corporate, if you're an entrepreneur, it's different, but if you work for yourself, it's different. But in the corporate space, um, then it's all about figuring out who, not how. So now, for instance, when Shelby and I can't figure out how to do something, we figure out who is the person that knows how to do this and how do we find them? How do we find the person who knows how to do something and figure it out? So we're looking for the who, not the how. In the beginning, you have to figure out the how. you got to get those repetitions in, but then you get to figure out the who. Who can help us do this thing so we can just copy all their homework and then we don't have to learn how they did it. Does that make sense? So I felt like that was a light bulb moment for me that I just, I felt really called to share with you today that really think about where you are in your career and the who versus the how. And are you spending time figuring out how to do something when instead you should be figuring out who knows how to do that and who can help you? So really make that kind of conscious decision. Am I figuring out the how or am I figuring out the who? Because like, I'll give an example with me. Um, I'll use Shelby and I. When something goes wrong on our website or technology in general, we will try to, we will try to figure out the how for like, I'm calling it 30 minutes. You know, we give it a solid attempt. Like we're going to try to figure this out for 30 minutes. And then immediately we're moving into who, who can help us do this. I don't know how to program this. I'm not going to pretend to be a coder. I'm not going to pretend to be a website developer because I'm not, we, we need to figure out who copy their homework or ask them to help us because we're, we're not figuring out the how. So I felt, I felt the need to share that with you today. I don't know where you are in your journey, but really think about the who versus the how. So anyways, we usually come here every week. We copy homework of really smart, interesting people. But I thought this week we could do something a little different, which is 
I normally answer a ton of questions that people send me. Sometimes they send it on LinkedIn Messenger. Sometimes I get DMs on Instagram. Some people will um, feel a little more brave and they will post the questions publicly. You know, they'll comment on an Instagram post or comment on a TikTok or comment on a LinkedIn post with a question. But most of the time, the questions are coming kind of at weird hours and, and they're coming in a variety of different forms. So I thought, okay, why don't we spend some time today covering any sort of questions that could come up about business, entrepreneurship, and let's, and by the way, because I always say this is a two-way conversation, this is you and me having, having a go at it with everybody else. If I can't help, there could be somebody else who can help. So I always say there's nothing wrong with like putting it out there. And even if I can't answer it, there could be somebody else that, that can answer it. So I'm excited today to kind of join in. And I, I called this an AMA, which for anybody who's not familiar, that means ask me anything. Is that called an acronym? AMA? I think it is an acronym. AMA, ask me anything. So that's what we're doing. Shoot, we're, we're doing an ask me anything today. And I thought it could be fun. It's a little more off the cuff. It's a little more in real time, fast paced, personal. I know that it might be really scary to write your question. I know I've been in, I've been in live sessions and webinars before and you think, oh, I don't want to type this question because what if people judge me for this question? Or what if this is a dumb question or a stupid question? Listen, I know we all have those hangups. We all have those insecurities. We all have those anxieties, but I can guarantee you one thing. I can't guarantee a lot in life, but I can guarantee you this one thing. You are not the only one and you are not going to be the first or the last person with that question. Like in the history of the earth, someone else has asked that question before you. And there will be a lot of people asking that question after you. So I just offer that to say, don't be scared. I know it feels uncomfortable, but we're, we can all ask questions together. So I just wanted to share that. Um, so I will start with Javier's question. So thank you for being brave, Javier, and putting in one of the first questions into the chat. And it is how to network. And boy, oh boy, that is a loaded question. But if I had to pick like one or two solid networking tips that I think could be really strong is number one. Again, I'm always looking for like the lazy approach, right? I'm always looking for whose, whose homework can we copy? So number one, how to network Javier, everybody who's typing in this chat right now, you should be clicking on their, click on their face, their name, I don't know what's going on there. Face or name, click on them and add them. Say, hey, saw you in the live Coffee with Kim chat, wanted to connect, wanted to stay in touch. So again, that's like, that's pretty easy, cheesy, lemon squeezy because you didn't even have to do anything. You just showed up here and you just start clicking on people's names. So I don't know, but that's kind of like the homework's done for you. Here you go on a silver platter. So that's number one. Go in places like this where there are smart, interesting, talented, awesome people and then just connect with them. So that's, that's easy. Number one, number two, in terms of how to network is if you get uncomfortable in like face-to-face -face situations, which I know sometimes we're all kind of getting our sea legs back, uh, post COVID we're in COVID. We don't know where we are, but we're, we're getting back to in-person events slowly, but surely I would say, don't give up on the digital networking. I still think digital networking is a great idea. I think platforms like LinkedIn make it very, very easy to digitally connect. And again, kind of going off my earlier point, see who your friends or see who your connections are connected with and connect with them, right? So there's a, there's a better chance that if you're, let's call it your work colleague, has another work colleague that they used to work with and you really like them, chances are you're kind of going to like their friend. Not 100%. There's always those people that you're like, how are you friends with that person? They're terrible. But statistically speaking, there's a good chance that you will be similar enough to get along. So those are two quick ways to network and hopefully copy someone's homework a little bit. Or as Jeff pointed out, joining groups and classes to meet like-minded peers is huge, 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 huge. Um, 
Oh, wait, Rachel just made a good point. If you're doing that live, Javier, before you click on them, open a duplicate screen or you will lose the live stream. Excellent point. So Javier, don't go clicking right this second. I, I steered you in the wrong direction. Don't go clicking right this second, but maybe, maybe click later. Maybe as Rachel said, open up a new window and then you can click, click, click away. Uh, which kind of brings us, uh, it, it sort of, Javier's question filtered so beautifully into Jeff's question, which is how much am I enjoying creating and running a cohort? So for anybody that doesn't know, if you've ever wanted to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, there is still time to do that. So starting on Monday, I am running the second cohort of my career capital course. So I think shall we, yeah, if we take this off the screen, I'll just do it really quick. If you scan your phone, I'm trying to point right here, you can learn more about the next cohort, but it kicks off on Monday. I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's going to be fantastic. And it's essentially working with leaders one-on-one, -on -one, well, in group, but also one-on-one -on -one for four weeks to help them talk about themselves in a way that's not creepy and icky and gross. I know we all hate talking about ourselves and answering that question of like, tell me about yourself. And you're like, I don't want to. So talking about yourself and what you do, uh, really amping up your network, connecting with those power players coming in and really getting in the mix, nominating yourself for awards and honors. I know we don't do this enough, so we're going to be digging into that. And then last but not least, sharing your knowledge because you have a lot of stuff up here that other people want to copy and steal and use for themselves. So we all have that little special something up here that comes really naturally and easy to us, but to other people, it's a complete mystery. So I have been totally enjoying it. I'm looking forward to kicking off on Monday. It'll be a pretty crazy four weeks because, you know, I still have everything else that's going in my life, but like on top of that, showing up live twice a week and sort of I call it, it's kind of like being an ER doctor. You're like on call, but you get like the adrenaline rush and the thrill. I don't know. I don't know many ER doctors. So I'm also just using that off like the TV shows I've seen, but that's what it sort of feels like. I feel like I'm in an ER episode and it's like triage and I'm like, we're getting in there. And it's like, we lived. So anyways, that's a very long-winded way of saying uh, I'm really excited about it. And if you guys think that working with me might be helpful for you and where you are in your career and your life and your business, um, scan your little phone right here and you can learn more about it too and apply and we can answer any questions you have. So pretty, pretty excited about that. Um, let's move over to John. I have things I'm passionate about in business, but how do I figure out if it's something that others are willing to pay me for? This is such a strong one. And I think it's such a great nugget when you start to think about entrepreneurship or side hustles, anything where you're starting your own thing. This is the technique I've used by no means, John, is this foolproof. And, you know, I'm sure people would tell you 17 other different ways. This is just the one I used. I, if I have a new idea or something that I think like, hmm, that could work. I will go to three, four, sometimes five people, humans, companies, whatever it is that you're trying to do and do it for free, do it for free and ask them a ton of questions. Was this helpful? Was it valuable? Would you want this again? Would you? And then the big question, would you pay me for this? So let's use a silly example and then I'll kind of move to a harder example. If you want to start a lawn mowing service, I told you it was a silly example. Go long, go, go mow five lawns and say, how'd I do? Was that beneficial? What's a price that you'd be willing to pay to have me mow this lawn again? And, and use that as sort of a kickstart. Or if it's something a little harder, again, the way I started with my business was either A, working for free or B, working at a very reduced rate. And by the way, I still do this. So to this day, Abby, my business partner and I in my marketing agency, if we want to work in a new field, Maybe we want to go work with a football team and we've never worked with them before. We'll say, okay, normally our rates are X per month, but we really want to work with this football team and it'd be a great case study. So for you guys, we'd be willing to do it for why and why is like peanuts. Why is like, why wouldn't you do this? You know? And so we hope that the client will be like, well, geez, for, you know, 
for why, why wouldn't we let these girls help us? And so then, then we get the business. Hopefully it goes well. Hopefully they tell other people and it goes on and on. So I would say my, my biggest tip for this, and again, there's a lot of other entrepreneurs. So I would really be keen to hear what Jeff and Rachel and some other people in the chat have to say, but I would say for me working at a very reduced or free price to start just to get a feel. And not only that, a feel from the customer, but also I got to tell you, John, a feel from you, a feel from you, because I've known a lot of entrepreneurs who think like, yes, all I want to do is sell this peanut butter. I love peanut butter. People are going to love my peanut butter, peanut butter all the time. And then they go to their first couple green markets, you know, kind of working for free, selling the peanut butter at a low cost. And they realize, ooh, I don't really like selling all this peanut butter. And I don't really like showing up to these green markets. And I don't really like, so then they kind of figure out, ooh, I had glamorized the selling of the peanut butter in my head. But in real life, IRL, as the kids say, not so fun. So I would say it's twofold. You want to see if customers want to pay you for whatever it is, that product or service, but also do you even like doing it? Which I don't think is a question that many people ask themselves. I think we just get excited. So I would say, I would say that would be good. Um, Sean is asking, what software do you have to use to do a LinkedIn live stream? Sean, there's several different platforms. There's like Restream. I think there's four or five that LinkedIn has like approved. Um, Shelby will be able to drop it in the chat. I would say if anyone here is interested in, in picking up LinkedIn Live, I will do a very, very, very non-shameless plug because Shelby, who has produced, I think, 89 of these so far, like 93 of them, she wrote down an entire how-to guide of how to put on a LinkedIn Live. Everything from what bush buttons to press, what to set up, how to get guests, how to set up the green room, like everything. She has a website set up where you can get a, more information about it. So she'll drop that in the chat as well. Look for that, Sean. But anyone who's interested in doing a LinkedIn Live, again, we use StreamYard is the name of our service, but Shelby, like I said, that's like a the small part of the mountain that it takes to actually, it doesn't take a lot to do one of these, but if you're going to do it well, which I feel like you're the type of person that likes to do things well, you, you kind of want to go hundred percent. You don't want to go like 50. So I would encourage you to check out Shelby stuff because holy moly, she has packed a lot. We have made a lot of mistakes, a lot of beautiful mistakes doing this. So we, uh, she has packed a lot of learning into that, uh, because then you get to avoid all the mistakes that we made. So that is pretty great. Um, Grace is asking, what are the most important first steps when brainstorming a new business idea? I think that the first most important step that everybody forgets is there's no bad ideas in brainstorming. Ah, I think we are so used to shooting down ideas like that will never work. No one will buy that. I don't see how that's feasible. Ugh, like if I could get my little Harry Potter wand and wave it around and, and release one thing from that very beginning stage of entrepreneurship, it's just like, let yourself dream for a hot minute, you know, like really brainstorm. If you can do it with other people, that's even better. I think there's some magic when you start like bouncing ideas off people and that could be a friend, a colleague, a family member. It, it could be a, an acquaintance who's in that space as well, but really kind of sink into the brainstorm and just write it all down. Let yourself brain dump. I think that that's, that is the most important first step is don't overthink. Ooh, we are so good at overthinking. We are so good at shooting down our own ideas. So really, I think the most important first step is to get, get into a place where you are just letting those ideas flow. And then once you have that, whether it's piece of papers or I know Jen and I love post-it notes, uh, whatever that is for you, post-it notes, pieces of paper, maybe it's Google Drive, maybe it's Evernote, maybe it's Notion. I don't know where you keep notes, but one of those places sleep on it, sleep on it for a day or two, and then come back. Don't immediately start crossing stuff off. Eh, eh, eh. No, no, no. Sleep on it. 
let a date, let marinate in it for a second. Cause you'll be surprised if, you know, during that brainstorm is great, but you'd be surprised that later that day in the shower or on a jog, you're like, wait a minute, I have another idea. And then you just add it to the list. So marinate in it for a second, let it breathe, let it go. And I think that would be my, my absolute number one best first way to go at it. Cause I think that that's, we are so guilty of it. That's just ah, the worst. Um, Rachel is asking, how do you decide where to spend your energy when you're starting a new business? What percent is to networking versus what percent is building content versus what percent is other things? I think this is really a great subject to dive into because man, we have a lot of things that are pulling our attention in a ton of different directions. And, and, and it's, it's like a shiny object. You're like, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be doing this. I'm sort of a back to basics kind of gal. I'm like black and white. What are we doing? So for me, when I was first starting a business and if I was starting a new business today, my energy would go to two things. Number one, the actual product and service. What are you offering? And is it blowing people away? I am always the one who's saying, how do we under promise and over deliver? I run a service-based business. I want people to feel happy, delighted, ecstatic, ready to tell their friends about how great it was to work with our company. That to me is what I hyper, hyper, hyper would be focusing on. Same thing with a product. You want people to get that product and be like, this is the best pen I've ever used. This is the I'm telling everyone about this pen because I'm so obsessed with this pen. That is that you have to work and spend, a, I would say, a good chunk of your energy really making sure that that's important because that sort of sneakily does two things. One, it makes your product or service really great. But two, you will be marketing through those humans without even knowing it. So those humans will go off and tell their friends, this is the best pen I ever had, or that's the best lawn mower man I've ever had, or that's the best pool person I've ever had, or that's the best marketing agency I ever hired, or that's the best sloth T-bum person that I've ever had, uh, which is what I just did. So actually, perfect example. They made this product so great that I'm out here for free marketing a sloth T-butt. That is how much I love this product. So if you create a product that people love so much, some of that marketing is like a secondary thing. You don't even have to, you don't even do the marketing. It's people like me are doing the marketing for you. So that's where I'd be spending a ton of my energy and time. And then the second place where I'd be spending a lot of time and energy is really positioning myself as a resource. I think we all have those groups of friends or a friend or a work colleague or that person in the office who's like, listen, I got a guy. And they're like, I got a guy who can help with SEO. I got a guy who does copywriting or gal. You know what I mean? I know a human that does copywriting. I know a human that can do SEO. I know a human that's really good at patents. I know, you know, and what is that thing for you? So, you know, Rachel, in your example, like, is that I'm making this up, but like it's tax season right now, it's April. Are you putting out like tax facts that people think to themselves, okay, if I have a tax question, I know I can go to Rachel or saving money or budgeting or, you know, whatever that thing is that people know that they can come to you and you are a resource for that, which is sort of that age old saying, oh, Jeff will be able to help me on this, but I think it's like give, give, give ask or give, receive. I don't know what the phrase is, but the, so I would be focused on those two things. One, making my product and service the best that it can be. And number two, being a resource for other people so that they know that they can come to me because then it, again, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Then they're all saying, you got to go to Rachel. You got to go to Rachel. She's going to help you. So I think those two things would be the most, the most beneficial. Abe is saying that being an entrepreneur is difficult. There are highs and lows. What an understatement, Abe. What an understatement. It is either the best day or the trash can is on fire. There's no in between. There's no just okay day. It's either best or freaking awful. So correct. 
Um, how does one continue to keep themselves motivated day to day? Honestly, I there this is going to be kind of a weird answer, but I hope this helps you. I have a group of friends. I'm talking maybe like five, six people. Some of them are other founders. Some of them are friends that I've had for a long time. And that I call them like my impromptu cheer squad, right? Because there are going to be days where I wake up and there ain't no gas in the tank. You know what I mean? Like I can't fill most days I can fill my own tank with gas. Like, yeah, today's going to be a good day. Like I got this, but there are some days, Abe, and I think that's what you're referring to where you're just like, you wake up and you're like, there, there ain't no gas. There ain't no gas and I can't refill the gas. And I'm just feeling low, 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 low on gas. Like the check engine light is on. I will call or text these friends and basically say like, gas is running low guys. Like, why am I doing this? What am I here for? What's going on? And they know when they kind of get that bat signal, that bat signal call or that bat signal text that they're going to come and kind of hype me up, you know, remind me why I'm doing this, remind me why it matters and what, and, and really having that outside force to fill my tank. I feel like you sometimes read a lot of these self-help books that are like, fill your own tank and meditate and do these 10 mantras. And that's great. Love that. Love a good mantra. But I think sometimes it puts too much of the onus on ourselves. And then I think we have this awful like loop where then if we can't get out of it, we're like, okay, I already feel like a failure. And now I feel like a failure for being a failure because I can't get myself out of my mindset for being a failure. And then it just turns into a failure flywheel. That's just terrible. So I think that sometimes we don't give enough credit to like, Hey, uh, this box is too heavy and I can't lift it. I got to go get somebody else to help me lift it. And I think that's okay. I think there are days where you're like, listen, this box is too heavy. My gas tank's on empty. I got to call a friend. I got to call a family member. I got to text a fellow founder and say, Hey, like pull, pull me out of this. Um, I need help. And I think that that is, and by the way, again, everybody in this chat, I, I know me, I will happily be that person for you. I know a lot of us here will happily be that person for you because it is hard and it is sticky. And it sometimes is really not fun to have those days where you just feel like, why, why have I done this to myself? So that I think that's totally normal. And I think you can have the mantras, but you can also, you know, have somebody else helping you out there. Um, Giacomo is saying, what is the best advice you would give today to a new entrepreneur and the best advice you would give to an experienced one? I'll start with the experienced one. The experienced one, the best advice I would give is, are you giving back? Are you giving back? I think way too many times we get stuck in our own head, in our own loop. What do I have to do today? What does my company need? What are my goals for the next quarter? And that's awesome. But I think sometimes we forget to send the ladder back down to everybody below us. So I would say my best advice to an experienced entrepreneur is who have you helped lately? Are there more ways that you can help? other entrepreneurs that are coming up behind you or other founders or other marketing executives or other copywriters or other creative directors, whoever that is, like, how are you investing in that sort of next gen? So that is the best advice I would give to, and I think it selfishly, it also helps you because you get a lot of uh, new insights and gratitude and your eyes sort of open when you're helping other people that you see through new eyes, so it's really helpful. And best advice I would give today to a new entrepreneur is sort of on the same line. It's something that I made a big mistake in doing. I did not ask for help soon enough. I had this weird, like Wonder Woman uh, mindset of like, I can do it all. Like, I will learn. I will fix. I will figure it out. And that's great to a point. And I think I was really sort of embarrassed to ask for help. I felt um, sort of unqualified. Like if I asked for help as, as a new entrepreneur, people would see me as less than, or that I didn't know what I was doing. 
And I, I think that was a huge disadvantage. I didn't really start asking for help in the business for like, I want to say it was like a year and a half. It's like 16 months. And I just, and the minute I started asking for help, people were like, no problem here. Copy my homework. Here's a good accountant. Here's a good, Oh, no problem. You need help with this. Yeah. I got a guy. I'll take. And the only one who was making a big deal of it was me. Like in my own mind, like everybody else was super helpful, totally chill, totally friendly, totally great. I was the one who was like the weird, awkward person. So I wish I would have asked for help sooner because the minute I started asking for help, I felt like my business really kind of exploded because I was able to do things faster and easier and, and learn more. And so I wish instead of waiting 18 months into my business, I wish I'd done that eight months into the business. Um, and that doesn't mean, you know, ask everybody for everything all the time, but I certainly wished, I think young entrepreneurs don't ask enough questions. I think again, whether it's a coach or a mentor or an advisor, or like Jeff was saying earlier, groups, groups of founders, Hey, what worked for you? Hey, what's, what are you finding? That's really interesting these days or hard. I think that's massively important and entrepreneurs are not doing enough of it. And I'm so happy that Magda is saying that this group is a haven for entrepreneurial support. Um, I do feel like we try to create a good sort of haven here every single Wednesday uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern to really come together and say, what are you learning? How can I copy this thing that you're doing? How are you working on this thing that I'm able to help you or you're able to help me or we're able to help each other? Um, I think that that's really, really quite important. So if this is that place for you, I love that. If this and two other places are it for you, that is amazing too. I think the more you could do, the better. So Sarah is asking, at what point did you decide to take the risk of starting your own business? Did someone push you or was there an insisting incident? I think for me, it's a very weird, it's sort of an accident. Right. And I think some people, again, have this mindset that you were born an entrepreneur. You know, we all hear those stories of Gary Vee was selling candy in the back of the bus. And, you know, Elon Musk had a long growing conglomerate. And Richard Branson started like 10 businesses by the time he was 10. And so we sort of have this idea, I guess, for lack of a better word, that entrepreneurs are born. You kind of, it's like that Maybelline commercial, like maybe she's born with it. Like maybe you're just born with it. And my big dream was to work at a corporation. I graduated from college. My big dream was to move to New York, to move, to move and work at one of the big, at the time, four publications, which was like Time Inc., Hearst, Meredith, or Condé Nast, RIP, because a lot of them either shut down or been sold. But like, that was my big dream. And I did that. I worked at Connie Nass for two and a half years. It was amazing. So like, it was not, entrepreneurship was not on my radar in college. It was not on my radar as a kid. It was not even on my radar in my young adult life. And really, I had gone to this ad agency without doing much, much research, which note to self, if you're going to switch jobs, look into the job that you're going to switch to. But I was 25 at the time. And sort of an idiot and didn't really think I needed to research hindsight 2020 you do and I got to this place and I was like oh I don't really like it I don't really like it not really happy here but you know everything happens for a reason and at that job is where I met my now former co-founder and she took me out to drinks one day and she's like I have this crazy idea do you want to do it with me and I thought well this is going to be a big fat flop uh, because, you know, statistically, I think it's crazy. It's like 92% of startups fail. I mean, it's some crazy number that, you know, the nine out of 10 startups fail. So I was like, well, this will be a big flop, but uh, I hate my job anyway. And so why not? So it was like a side hustle. So, I mean, I, I kept the job that I hated and I started this thing with her as like a side hustle and it grew and it grew and it grew and it got to the point where it wasn't really a side hustle anymore. And I just sort of slowly left corporate. And, and I think that that's an important thing to bring up because I think a lot of people think if you want to be an entrepreneur, you got to like quit your job and work for yourself. And I'm like the opposite of that. I'm like, Oh no, 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 honey. 
you go get a corporate job, you go get that steady paycheck, you go get that health insurance, you go get that 401k, and you get paid to do your side hustle in the meantime. Because again, if nine out of 10 startups fail, you might have to reiterate on your startup or your idea or your side hustle two or three times to get it to the point that it can work. So I am all about like, I want to get paid to fail. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want to get that paycheck. I don't know that I have rent money. And then also maybe get paid paid to fail. I don't, unless you're like independently wealthy and in which case we should be friends. No, I'm just kidding. But unless you're independently wealthy and you can just like quit your job and not have to worry about like how you're going to eat or your mortgage or your rent or whatever. Um, I am all about staying at that corporate employer. And I don't know if this is good advice, but I think it is. So I'm going to share it. If there is something that you want to do, like again, silly example, you want to start a peanut butter company. You want to start a copywriting business. You want to start an ad agency. You want to start a design firm. Go work at one of those places. If you want to one day run your own peanut butter company, go get a job at Justin's Peanut Butter. Go get a job at Jif Peanut Butter. You have to think like you are James Bond. You're on like some top secret mission getting like research. I don't mean like break NDAs and like write down how they're making the peanut butter. Relax. We're not committing fraud here, but like really go in and be like, what systems are they using? What works? What doesn't work? Almost like a spy for yourself. And then, you know, when you want to go one day start a lawn mowing business or peanut butter business or copywriting business or creative design business that you already know, hmm, I already know what works. I already know what systems to use. I already know what backend to use. You've like done the sort of hard work while still getting paid. So again, that is my opinion. You'll have a lot of people um, in the entrepreneur space, you know, the Gary B space that's like quit it and hit it and do it hard and hustle hard. I don't know how these people pay their bills. Unclear because I have bills to pay. So, you know, I couldn't just jump into entrepreneurship full force. So again, that is just and this is my small, small, small piece of information about that. So hopefully that helps answer the question. Um, but Jessica's asking a follow-up question, which is, isn't it hard to maintain a part-time job while also doing a side hustle? Yes. And this is what I would say is sort of the dirty little secret of entrepreneurship that no one really wants to talk about. Everyone wants to talk about the funsies. The like, oh, and then I started this TikTok and it went viral or then I made this peanut butter and it sold out of the green market. And no one really wants to talk about um, the sort of uncomfortable truths that you have to give up a lot. You know, it's funny. I did a, I did an Instagram post as well as a TikTok post the other day, sort of talking about this, this very issue that in entrepreneurship, you know, this kind of girl boss culture that, that I kind of was in for the last 10 years, no one really talks about the ramifications of that. So I have a successful business and that's amazing and I love it and it's great and I'm so fortunate and so blessed. And, because two things can be true at the same time, and I missed a lot of things that I cannot and will not get back. Uh, I miss friends' weddings. I miss family vacations. Uh, all of my grandparents have passed away. They're no longer here anymore. Um, I missed a lot of things that no matter how much fame or money or success, I can't buy more time with my grandma, right? Like she's not here. Like I can't, I can't wish, I can't mantra that back. I can't hustle harder to like get more time with her. So there is a very real, and I'm happy you brought this up, Jessica, there is a very real cost to whether it's a side hustle or entrepreneurship or a business or whatever that you have to say, am I willing to pay the price of what this is going to cost? And sometimes, listen, sometimes the price is low. Sometimes it's like, I didn't watch the new season of Bridgerton. And instead of playing, you know, hooky on a Friday afternoon, I actually work till 8 p.m. Or on a Saturday and Sunday, instead of doing something fun, 
I worked on this business idea. So sometimes the cost is low, but sometimes the cost is high and it is missing weddings and it is missing birthdays and it is missing family vacation and it is missing these big moments that you can't get back. So I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because I think it's an important, again, sort of non-sexy, not cool subject that no one really wants to talk about. Everyone kind of wants to be like, ew, don't talk about that. Let's just talk about the fun stuff. But I think it is, it is very hard to maintain your full life the way you know it now when you do have that side hustle or you do have that startup and you're trying to fit it all in because the truth of the matter is you can't, you can't fit it all in. You can't fit it all in. Something has got to give it. We only have so many hours in the day. So thank you, Jessica, for, for bringing that up because I think it is a really important point that doesn't get quite as much love as, as maybe it should. So, oh, hi, Avi. I'm so happy to see your name pop up. Um, Avi is asking, how do you build up hype for a new business or product or get people to join you on the ride, especially when starting out? I think this is really important, as you already know, Avi, to get people that are excited about this idea or this potential or this big vision that you have. And I think the best sort of way to build up that hype and, and build up that excitement is to find like-minded people. Like where are the other people like you living and where can you find them and where can you network with them and where can you get them saying, you know what? Yeah, Avi, like, I like that idea. Like that is something that I want. And I think, you know, I'll just use like a, a very, sort of a big example of this, but I think it's interesting. You know, everyone talks about Jessica Alba and the Honest Company. So the Honest Company, for anybody who's not familiar, is a company that was started here in North America. It has since gone public. I think the last valuation was like $1.6 billion. But at the root of it, it was her saying, I want to use products on my baby, on my kids that don't have chemicals and toxins, things like in laundry detergent, things like in diapers, um, because my, my child is very sensitive to kind of all these different chemicals or getting rashes or, you know, I just want to use stuff that doesn't have chemicals in it. And it was one of those things that I'm sure at the time uh, she just thought, well, maybe it's just my problem. But after, you know, getting in with these different mom groups and whatever, it was like, wait a minute, lots of moms are having this same thought. It's not just me as a single mom. It is lots of these other moms are also having this problem. So really saying whatever that is for you, whether that is coding, whether that is copywriting, whether that is design, whether that is peanut butter, uh, jelly, I don't know, whatever kind of entrepreneur uh, idea or side hustle you have. Where are those fellow peanut butter lovers? Or like, where are those fellow jelly lovers? And how can you hook in with them, share your ideas, get to know them and have them also be like, yeah, why is peanut butter this way? Or why don't we do X, Y, Z? So I think as much as you can, finding where those groups of humans are congregated, whether that is in a physical space, you know, I'm making this up, but like, the National Peanut Butter Convention. I don't know if that's a thing. If not, it should be, and I'd like to attend. But if not, you know, maybe digitally, is there like a, we love peanut butter group on Facebook that has like 1 million people. So whether it is physically or digitally, where are those humans? How can you find them? How can you start interacting with them? So I think that it would be my best piece of advice for somebody who is wanting to really dig in with people and say like, where where are my people? Bruno is asking, is it a good idea to start from buying a franchise? It's so interesting that you asked this because I, we've had several people on Coffee with Kim in the past. And I'm happy to send you these links, Bruno. The two that I can think of off the top of my head are Helene Knapp from City Row. She did a lot in franchising and has a lot of really interesting thoughts on, on that business. And then also Cody Sanchez, who talks a lot about buying businesses 
Uh, and she actually talks a lot about buying kind of boring businesses, whether it's laundry mats or car washes or ice machines and how that can actually kickstart your sort of entrepreneurial career. And it's not something I think, which is kind of what you're inferring here. You don't necessarily have to start from scratch, right? Like some of that work is already done for you, whether it's the brand building is done for you or the logistics are done for you. So I absolutely think that this could be a really interesting idea about buying a franchise or I would say buying an existing business. I've had a lot of conversations. And again, we can send you the episode that we did here with Cody Sanchez, but she's also a, a personal friend. So we talk a lot offline as well as online on the podcast, but we were talking offline about this the other day. And she said something which I thought was really interesting and I'll share it with everybody here is we all know that this sort of baby boomer generation, definitely here in the US, but globally as well, is one of the largest. And we're going to have this sort of tipping point as people start to retire, that we're going to have more people retiring than we can actually fill with young people. So this is happening in China already in a, in a, a couple different places where basically we have this like flip-flop, like so many people are leaving and we don't have enough people, like we, physically, we don't have enough humans to step in. And so Cody was saying what's going to be really interesting in the next like five to 10 years is she forecasts, and it makes sense, so I, I totally believe her, that there's going to be a lot of businesses where maybe it was like the grandparents or maybe it is somebody who's in their like 60s or 70s, they want to retire they want to leave the hardware store. They want to leave the laundry mat. They want to leave the car wash. And maybe their sons or their daughters or the nieces and nephews don't want it. You know, mom, we don't want the car wash business. Or maybe they don't have any offspring that, that they can. And so her prediction is in the next five to 10 years that you're going to see a lot of businesses that, by the way, are doing great. Like the car wash is, you know, it's making money, it's spitting off, it's been doing this for 30 years or 10 years or whatever. And there's going to be a generation of people that are like, I don't want this anymore, you know, because I'm 72 or, you know, I'm 75 and I want to like sit on a cruise in the Bahamas with my, <laughs> with myself and my chicken fingers and I don't want to do this anymore. So her prediction is there's going to be, she thinks that you'll have a lot of success if you go to existing businesses and maybe get to know the owner and whatnot and, and say, you know, is this something that you'd ever think of selling one day, you know, selling to somebody else who wants to take over the business. So it's a great point, Bruno. I actually think franchising and taking over existing businesses in the next five to 10 years is going to be a really interesting, interesting spot to be in an interesting area, area to be. So I also, um, I also wanted to bring up John's point here as we kind of think about entrepreneurship and business and the subjects that we've been talking about. And he says, I found it important to learn who seems to be draining my tank to make sure I'm keeping them in moderation. And I think this is one of the a really great strong point to kind of start to close out on, which is really think about the things in work and in business and in life, whether that is people or tasks or things that just suck the life out of you. I did a TikTok on this yesterday. I don't know if John saw that, but if not, he sort of read my mind in a very cool, creepy way. Uh, but I did this TikTok where I said one of the best pieces of career advice I ever received was that really think about what sucks the life out of you when it comes to work and what gives you life. Because a lot of times we complain, we'll say like, Ugh, I hate my job or Ugh, my job has been so annoying lately. But when you actually say like, well, what part is annoying? A lot of people can't answer that question. And this, and by the way, I know this because when I got the piece of advice that the, my mentor had asked this to me and I was like, good question. Don't know the, don't know the answer to that. Um, because you're just like, this, this stinks or this sucks, but you're not like, well, what part, like, are you frustrated by the emails? Are you frustrated by the customer service? Are you frustrated by that coworker? Are you frustrated by that investor? Like what part, like get really specific as you like peel away the onion layers, like what part actually sucks like what part is actually making you unhappy and then on the flip side 
okay, then what parts are actually giving you life? Like, oh my, I love customer service, or I love when I'm just in the mode making proposals, whatever that is. And I will say that that's something that, you know, even Shelby and I have had to really like grow and work on because I was terrible at it when we first started working together is really saying like, how do you let go of those things that you don't like and sort of just bring you down? And can you start saying to somebody else, can you take this over so that I can lean more into the parts that I know I'm good at and the parts that I'm like flourishing in? And I know some people are going to say, but I have a corporate job and I don't have a Shelby. I know it's sad, but there could be people on your team or there could be people in your household. There could be lots of people around you that can help you with these things that you're just like, ugh. like going back to the earlier point of um, LinkedIn live and how to use it and what systems are you using? You know, I know that there's a lot of people who've asked me like, Oh, Kim, all I want to do is the live part. I don't want to mess with the technology. I don't want to mess with installing it. I don't want to mess with how to click where and what to turn on. And I say, great, go hire Shelby. Shelby will come and Shelby will do all. And you just show up, you just show the heck up and you do what you want to do. And, and that's a silly, like small example, but it really is like poignant of really get clear about what parts of work that you are awesome in. You just, you crush it. You're so good. And then what parts of work are you kind of like, meh, not great. I don't love it. And maybe I'm not that good at it. I know that's kind of hard to admit. You just might not very, be very good at something. So really get clear on what that is, like what is draining you, what is giving you life, because I think that's going to be a really helpful, clear way for you to dig in a little bit more into your own insights and, and what's working. So um, I just wanted to say also, like, if this has been helpful, um, let me know, again, either send me a DM or a message or, or pop it here in the comments if you're live, because we've, we haven't really done this very much. So again, we usually try to keep these coffee with Kim sessions, you know, very much like tactics and tips driven and who can we bring on to like copy their homework and steal all their stuff. So if th this is a new thing, you always got to be trying new things. So this is a new thing. So if this has been helpful or if you feel like, Hey, you should definitely like do one of these. I don't know when once a quarter or something like that, let us know, pop it in the comments or send us a DM on uh, Instagram or TikTok or an email or LinkedIn or send a smoke signal. I don't know. But if this has been helpful, um, let us know because obviously like we want to do things that are just as helpful for you uh, as it is to meet all of these interesting new people. So uh, I would just like to say that that could also be helpful for you and us um, in terms of in terms of what could be good. So I'm, I'm happy that Jeff and Chakama are saying, this is really helpful, good. If anyone else thinks it was helpful, um, uh, let us know because then we'll do then we'll do more of these. So um, I wanna answer one more question before we sort of round it out. And that question is from Anya and she's asking, what is the best way to ask for help from your network? Is it one-on-one -on -one notes? Is it a LinkedIn post? I've done both. I would say it depends on what the ask is. If you're asking a question that is very broad, so something like, does anyone have a good entertainment lawyer? Or does anybody have a good accountant? Or what project management software is the best one? Or what does everybody use for their credit cards? I'm looking for a new credit card. If it's a very broad question, I think a LinkedIn post is great. It kind of lets a lot of people write, you know, I use my American Express or you got to go with Chase Sapphire and this is why. And, you know, kind of lets uh, a lot of people aggregate and build under it. And, you know, it's helpful for other people because other people might be going, oh, yeah, like I was looking for a new project management software or I was looking for a new thing. If it's really specific, I would say those are the types of questions that go better on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So if it's really kind of getting in the nitty gritty where you're saying, hey, I need a UX developer who's based in California um, who wants to take on a special project. 
I don't know, I'm just making that up. You might say to yourself, okay, that's pretty specific. Why don't I a target this ask to people that I know in California, because this person also needs to be in California. B, I need to target this ask to people that maybe know a lot of younger people that maybe are willing to take on an extra project, or maybe people who are a little bit older who have some more free time to take on an extra project. So you can kind of like start to decipher like who's going to be a good, good set of resources to ask that to. So I always like to think about like big general, big format. So big general questions, who's a good accountant, what's a good credit card, LinkedIn. As you start to get more specific, that's when the kind of one-on-one asks should take place. Um, exactly. So broad question, LinkedIn, very specific is more of a, a one-on-one. So I think that would be helpful. And again, hopefully Coffee with Kim is one of those broad spaces that we can all be resources for each other when we have those big broad questions. And I would say sometimes if, if you're really stuck and you're like, gosh, I have this specific question, but I don't have like somebody in mind to ask. I think you can frame that even in a way that you could post it broadly. So again, using that example of I'm, I'm looking for a you know UX developer in California, I think you could post a broad question on LinkedIn, like, does anyone know UX developers in California? Can you tag them below? So in that case, not if they're interested in the special project, not if they have the bandwidth, just who are those humans? And then from there, you can like individually write to all those humans and say like, hey, I'm working on a special project. Would you have interest? Here are details, whatever. So I think it can mix and match a little bit, but that's the process I use. So hopefully it's helpful for you too. Well, I didn't even get, I didn't even get a chance to sip my tea today. I've been too excited and thrilled to be here with you answering all of these questions in this sort of AMA style Um, my sloth and I have been answering all these questions in this AMA style format. It has been so much fun. Uh, if this has been helpful to you, if any of these notes would be helpful, you can go to sendmenotes.com and we will send you the notes probably in the next like day or two, probably by Friday, all about what we covered, the questions, the resources. So you can go to sendmenotes.com. If you signed up for notes previously, no worries. They're already coming to you. So you don't have to sign up again. If you are interested in working one-on-one with me over the next four weeks, our next cohort starts on Monday. You can scan this QR code, or if you are listening this, listening to this, you can go to careercapitalcourse.com and check it out. I'd love to work with you if you think it would be helpful for you in this new space in your life and where you are going next. Next week, boy, oh boy, do we have a special session for you. This is someone that I've actually reached out to a number of times over the past two or three years. And she's just one of those people, like she's kind of like a big deal. So she has been like, I don't have time for this, Um, which is fine. We all have people like that in our lives, but luckily like we got her. Like she's coming next week. So Debbie Millman, I am definitely going to be really shouting about it from the rooftops because I cannot believe that we landed her. We'll drop her stuff in the comments here, but she is a powerhouse when it comes to design, the amount of awards she's won, the podcast that she produced is like number one in the space. I mean, she's just, she's like the Michael Jordan in the design world. Like that's the best analogy I have for you. So if you know anybody that's really interested in design, creative copywriting, holy moly, send uh, the getcoffeewithkim.com link to them because they are not going to want to miss a chance to um, ask questions to Debbie Millman. Again, that's like asking a question to Michael Jordan if you love basketball. If you know somebody that loves design, we are having the Michael Jordan of design on with us next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. So if you know anybody who is in the creative space, holy moly, do them a favor and have them join because that is going to be a massive, massive, massive Coffee with Kim. So I'm so happy that we got to see each other today. I hope you have a beautiful, amazing, fantastic rest of the week. I cannot wait to hear from you soon. And I cannot wait to see you next week with Debbie. So I'm going to put my little sloth back in my cup in my coffee with Kim mug, 
and I'm going to cheers you from Austin, Texas. Have a beautiful rest of the week, my friend. I will see you so soon. Cheers. Whew, that was some good stuff. Thanks for being a part of this week's Coffee with Kim. If podcasts are your thing, subscribe to the show and you'll see a new episode appear next week in your favorite listening app. If you want to be a part of the conversation, join us live on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern over on LinkedIn. You can RSVP at getcoffeewithkim.com. I want you to have your questions answered because why should I get to have all the fun? And let's be honest, you know how to ask some hard-hitting questions. My guests and I cannot wait to meet you. See you soon.